Jesus, our healer. Today we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God. It's, he's part of the Trinity. We're going to talk about his role, the Holy Spirit's role, because the role of the Father and the role of Jesus and the role of the Holy Spirit are all equally and vitally important. So I didn't feel that I could teach a series of classes on healing without really, really giving you some good scriptural backing and, and evidence and, and knowledge about the wonderful Holy Spirit. So that's what we're going to do today. And I'd like to start with prayer. Father God, we thank you that you have opened the eyes of our heart as your children to receive from you and to receive revelation knowledge deeper knowledge of who you are and your good plan for us. So I pray tonight, Father, that that's exactly what happens, that our hearts are open wide to receive the depth of your love for us in this area, the promise that you've given to us, the gift that you have planned for us in the comforter, in the healer, in the, the helper, the advocate, the giver, of the gift in the Holy Spirit. And Father, I pray right now that we're ready to receive. I pray, Father, that the seeds that are sown, the word that is given tonight, finds home in a a soil of our hearts that is ready to receive. And I thank you, God, that you tell us in your word that one person plants the seed and another waters it. But you're the one that brings the harvest. So I thank you, Father, that that harvest is coming the harvest of healing, the harvest of new revelation, the harvest of of deeper relationship and, and more of you, the harvest of encounter with your very holy presence. And we just count it all joy right now, God, that we're in that place right here, right now, to receive what you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. One more word. And this one is just an encouragement, just an encouragement from God. And I believe that, that, that he knows the gift that is being shared tonight in the, the teaching about the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And this word is just a little nugget of love for him. He said, I am strength during your weakness. I am fadeless hope that displaces hopelessness. I am light and life, and I have overcome all darkness and all oppression and all evil. Come to me. Cast your cares on me. And then, I didn't write all this down, but he he continued to say, cast your cares on me. And your cares are heavy. And your cares are are burdening and weighing you down. So cast your cares on me and then take my yoke. My yoke is light. My yoke will carry you through. And then in the word it says that that he will give us rest, that he'll remove that burden and give us rest. So cast your cares on him and receive his yoke, which is light. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, I'm ready for this teaching. Would you please look at the little handout? If you didn't get one, raise your hand. Is there anybody that didn't get a handout? We need a couple, one back there, one here. Lisa's getting. Okay, does anybody have um, where a couple both took one? Okay, it looks like Doug has an extra one. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, we're good. We're good. Well, that tells me there's more than 40 people because I made 40 copies. (laughs) Okay. Would you look at the lesson purpose with me, please? And we're just going to, I'm just going to read it together. We've been learning about the wonder and awe of developing a relationship with our Father. We've learned about the new covenant of grace provided through Jesus, our Savior. Today, now, we're going to learn about living in the fullness of the Trinity, which includes the precious Holy Spirit. 
If you need healing, to whom do you turn? The source of healing is the Father, the giver of every good and perfect gift. The giver of that gift, the deliverer of that gift is Jesus. And the power of the source is the Holy Spirit. The power of the source is the Holy Spirit. I'm looking for somebody right now and I don't see her. I think she stepped out for a sec. Do you want all that God wants for you? Yes. Years ago, 11 years ago, when I was first diagnosed with cancer and started seeking God, I was um, in the place where the doctors didn't have an answer for me. And believe me, I was seeking God with all my heart. I've told other people this, and it's so simple but yet difficult. And that is, what did I have to lose? And what did I have to gain? At that time, I was seeking God with all my heart. I was reading the Word. I was, I was praying. And one of the things that had been presented to me, in a little, not in a deep teaching, but I just heard about it, was the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I remember going to my friend Jenny. You guys hear about Jenny all the time, my, my mentor. And I would ask her about it. I said, Jenny, what, is, what, do they, what do they mean, the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Tell me about that. Well, what I learned, and I'm gonna, we're going to go into a really good teaching on what that means and what it is according to God's word. But I remember talking to Jenny and saying, I want everything I can have. I want all that I can get from my God. I want to be in that place where I can receive everything that I can possibly receive from him in the area of knowing him, in the area of, of his love and, and knowing in him and revelation of his word and the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit. I wanted it all. And so she helped me a little bit, gave me a little bit of background what, what the baptism of the Holy Spirit was. And then um, at Life Christian Church, they had an invitation. And so I said, well, I want that. So I remember specifically, you know, going after church to on a little altar call, and they prayed with me, and, and I was filled with the Holy Spirit. So that's what we're going to talk about tonight. That was probably the biggest change, the biggest um, boost in my walk with God in that whole season. Something happened, and I, I can't put it into words. I wish I could. But I'm going to put it into God's words. I'm going to share what God's word says about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. All I know is I can't not share with you this awesome treasure. So that's why I've added this teaching to our series of teachings because the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a powerful piece, I believe, in receiving everything that God has for you. Amen. Okay, so you'll see, if you kind of look at the big ideas... Let's just kind of take a little overview of this teaching. The first thing we're going to talk about is what the Bible says the, when Jesus promised the Holy Spirit. So we're going to look at Scripture, at Jesus when he was on this earth, talking about the Holy Spirit that was going to be sent after he left. So that's the first piece. Foundation two, we're going to look at when the Holy Spirit was poured out on the church. When Jesus had ascended into heaven, that's when the Holy Spirit came. We're going to look at the first outflowing of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. And then we're going to look at more times that the Holy Spirit was poured out because it just wasn't a one-time thing. And we're going to look at this awesome promise that says it's for today, too. There are some teachings that disagree with that. And you may have heard teachings that disagree that's why it's important for me to share from the Bible, not from Cindy, but from the Bible, what the Bible says. And then you can look at the word and make your, your decision about what you're going to believe. Are you going to believe the doctrine of the word or the doctrine of man? Foundation three talks about the benefits of the Holy Spirit. What are the benefits? What happened? I said that it was one of the biggest benefits that happened to me when I was a new Christian, and it still is. So what are those benefits? We're going to go to the Bible and look at what some of the benefits are of being filled with the Holy Spirit. So let's go ahead and get started. 
Would you open your Bibles with me to John chapter 14? John 14, the Gospel of John chapter 14. Jesus promises another helper. We're going to start with verse 16. This is Jesus speaking. He said, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another comforter, counselor, helper, intercessor, advocate, strengthener, and standby, that he may remain with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, welcome, take to its heart, because it does not see him or know and recognize him. But you know and recognize him, for he lives with you constantly and will be in you. So this is one of the times that Jesus tells us about the promise. In the King James, in the New King James, it calls him another helper. It calls the Holy Spirit another helper. In the Amplified, the translation that I have up here, it takes the word helper, the original word, and it amplifies it. And it talks about what that word helper is. I want to talk about two words. First, I want to talk about the word another, and then I want to talk about the word helper. The word another, Jesus said that he was going to leave and he was going to send another helper. There are two words for another in the Bible, in the original language. One of the words is allos. That's what this word is. And the other one is heteros. The word Allos means another of the same kind. The word hetero means another different kind. It means maybe uh, a second, um, something that's not as similar. But Jesus said he'll send another helper of the same kind, another like him, because Jesus is God. Holy Spirit is God as well as Father. The word helper in the Amplified, when I have that little, that little acrostic thing that says catch us, it's not a real word, but it helps me to remember the attributes of the Holy Spirit. These are his attributes. You might want to write them down. He's the comforter. He's the, the, the one that, that, how many of you have been in that place where you needed comfort? Many times. Many times when you're in that place where you just need somebody to hug you and hold you and love you, you need comfort. That's the Holy Spirit's role. The second one is advocate. An advocate is someone who stands there with you. You need somebody sometimes. I know as my position in the schools, I was the general ed advocate. I was the one that stood in that place of the kids in general education. There were also special education advocates, but I was the general ed advocate. And I was the one that helped kids that needed the extra help that were in general ed. And I stood up for them and I got them everything that I could for them. I was their advocate. That's who the Holy Spirit is for us. He stands with us and he's there, you know, helping us, being our advocate, like our lawyer. The third one is C, I'm sorry, T, and that's teacher. In the next scripture that we're going to read, it uses the word teacher. He's our teacher. He explains things to us. He gives us the steps if we need it. He shows us the way. He's our teacher. The next C is counselor. Counselor, he listens to us. He guides us in that process of counseling just like a counselor would the H is helper thank God we don't have to do life on our own we have a helper we have the Holy Spirit he's our helper I is intercessor intercessor when we pray on behalf of somebody else like Lisa did she just interceded for her daughter who had a, an issue in her neck today when she was playing sports. The Holy Spirit is our intercessor. Then there's two S's, strength and standby. He's our strength. 
the word that he gave me to share with you guys at the beginning he said I'm your strength when you're weak I'm your hope when you're hopeless he's our strength the Holy Spirit that's one of the characteristics of the Holy Spirit he's our strength and the last one is standby he's he's there he's on standby always always at any moment at any time we can go to him and he's there for us he's our standby that in itself if I didn't go any further that would be enough for me to say I want all of it I want you Holy Spirit I want you in my life let's look at verse 26 in this same chapter this is just a few verses later and Jesus repeats his promise and he says but the comforter counselor helper intercessor advocate strengthener standby the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name in my place to represent me and act on my behalf he will teach you all things and he will cause you to recall he will remind you of and bring to your remembrance everything I've told you okay there's a couple of big nuggets in here first of all he repeats the characteristics of the of the Holy Spirit the comforter the counselor the helper and then he says the father will send in my name the father will send the Holy Spirit in my place in the place of Jesus Jesus rose to heaven he is now seated at the right hand of the father but the father sent the Holy Spirit in the place of Jesus to represent him and to act on his behalf and then the scripture goes on to say that he will teach you all things that's one of his attributes as a teacher and he will cause you to remember oh I love it when he does that I'm gonna be giving you lots of benefits and examples of what he does but that's one of the awesome things he does he gives you the exact thing that you need at the exact time that you need it he brings it to your remembrance it's in your heart already as you come to know God's Word as your mind is renewed we've been talking about our mind being renewed with his word and then when you need it he brings it to your remembrance many times many times that has happened to me and I know to all of us okay so that's one of the times that the promise is revealed through Jesus the promise of the Holy Spirit now let's go to Luke the last chapter in Luke chapter 24 this is after Jesus had been crucified and raised from the dead and he's he's revealed himself to the apostles and to the disciples and this is what he told them this is verse 49 and behold I will send forth upon you what my father has promised but remain in the city Jerusalem until you are clothed with power from on high this is Luke okay now turn to the book of Acts chapter 1 Luke also wrote the book of Acts so the book of Acts takes up right where we just left off and it's actually repeated the same scripture or the same idea is repeated in Acts chapter 1 verse 4 and 5 and while being in their company and eating with them he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem but to wait for what the father had promised of which he said you have heard me speak for John baptized with water but not many days from now you shall be baptized with placed in introduced into the Holy Spirit so that's where we get the term baptized in the Holy Spirit Jesus said when he was getting ready to ascend into heaven he told the, the apostles the disciples that were gathered around him he said wait in Jerusalem until you're clothed with power from on high until you're baptized in the Holy Spirit you've also you've already been baptized by John but now you're going to be baptized by the Holy Spirit go and wait until you're clothed with power from on high and then verse 8 says but you shall receive power 
ability, efficiency, and might when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends, the very bounds of the earth. We're going to talk a lot more about that amazing infilling and the power, the dunamis power. But I want to hold that thought until we get to the part about the benefits. But I wanted to show you the, the promise and how it was given. And then if you look at verse 13 through 15. And remember, Jesus said to go and wait in Jerusalem. And I wanted to show you some of the people that were there waiting. This was a surprise to me. And when they had entered the city, they mounted the stairs to the upper room where they they were indefinitely staying. Jesus said, wait. He just said, wait until this comes. So they didn't have a time. They didn't say, well, we're going to wait for a day or a week or a month. They, They were waiting indefinitely. And here were some of the people, Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. All of these, with their minds in full agreement, devoted themselves steadfastly to prayer, waiting together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. His is capitalized. Jesus' brothers. Now on one of those days, Peter arose among the brethren, the whole number of whom gathered together was about 120. That's where I wanted to show you. So there were about 120 waiting in the upper room for this thing that Jesus told them to wait for, this promise, this gift of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. 120 people were waiting. Now, Jesus showed himself to about 500 and that's another place. I could, I could reference it, but I don't know where it is right offhand. But I know it says he showed himself to about 500 people. 120, 120 people waited and did what Jesus said. It's about one in five. Hmm, interesting. Okay, so Jesus promised the helper. He gave them information. He told them what to do, how to wait. Now, we're going to continue with foundation two, which is showing when the Holy Spirit was poured out. When the Holy Spirit was poured out. We're going to look at the first outflowing of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost, and then we're going to look at other scriptural accounts of the same thing happening throughout the the new church in the book of Acts. Because that's when the church was birthed, in the book of Acts, right after Jesus ascended. So this is... Continuing right on in Acts chapter 2, verse 1 through 4. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So that was the first outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And that outpouring was upon everybody that was waiting. It was on all the people. And we just read in the last scripture there were about 120 people. So the Holy Spirit was poured out in that first instance. And then if you look at Acts 10, we're going to look at two other scripture references that show the outpouring on other people. Because it didn't just happen once. It happened many times in, this, in the church. This is Acts 10, verse 44. Love this chapter in the Bible. This is um, when Peter had a word from God to go to this, um, this place where there were Gentiles, non-Jews, Cornelius. He was an Italian. And, he, and to summarize the whole chapter, he, God showed Peter that he was not an unclean man because at that time they thought only Jews were the chosen ones. But God gave him a vision and showed him that, yes, he was clean. The non-Jews were clean and they could receive everything that God had for them. And then the man in Cornelius also had a vision. They both did. And in his vision, God said, send for this Peter and have him come and tell you about the gospel and tell you about, he didn't even know he was going to tell him. He just said, go for Peter and have him come. 
So this all came together by the working of the Holy Spirit. And this is what happened, verse 44. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who had heard the word. And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. So the Italians, these people who Peter came and shared the word with, shared the gospel with, they heard the the gospel of Jesus. They heard about this Jesus who had died for our redemption and had raised from the dead. And as they heard the word, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And the evidence was that they spoke in tongues. So that's another example. And it wasn't a Jew. They were non-Jews. And the, the, the Peter and his people that were with them were totally surprised. that They didn't think that would happen. But they knew that it had because of the evidence of tongues. They knew that it wasn't something that, that was made up because there was that, that manifestation that they had had when they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And here's another example. Let's look at Acts chapter 19. Verse 1 through 7. And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus and finding some disciples. Disciples are somebody who's been taught. Came upon these disciples and he said to them, Did you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, We've not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. That's exactly where I was 11 years ago. When I first started hearing this teaching, I had never heard about the Holy Spirit. I knew that there was a Holy Spirit. I I was raised in a denominational church. We believed in the Holy Spirit. I was even confirmed, and hands were laid on me, and and some uh, the person said, "Be filled with the Holy Spirit." But I hadn't, in my heart, asked the Holy Spirit. I didn't know to do that. I didn't know the benefits of the Holy Spirit. I had no idea. I was just like these people. We haven't so much as heard. And he said to them, Into what then were you baptized? So they said, Into John's baptism. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe in him who would come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So they were water baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 in all. There were 12 people at that point where the infilling happened there. So there are some examples. There are others that aren't quite as clear as these. But there are many examples where there's, it talks about the infilling of the Holy Spirit. So then, my question for me, and I'm sure a lot of us had the same question, is, well, that was in the book of Acts. That was when, you know, the apostles were on this earth. Is that still for today? So would you please look with me at Acts chapter 2. Love the scripture. Acts chapter 2, verse 38 and 39. I want to give you a little background on this chapter. At the beginning of the chapter 2 in Acts, that's when the Holy Spirit came. And Peter stood up. Lots of people were asking questions. They were accusing them of being drunk. The people that were filled with the Holy Spirit, the 120, they were accused of being drunk. It was early in the morning. And Peter got up and started preaching. We're going to talk in a minute about the power to witness. That is part of the the infilling of the Holy Spirit. But Peter, if you remember, is the same apostle that denied Jesus. He had a good reason to deny Jesus. He had to fear for his life. He saw what they were doing to Jesus. And he was an apostle of Jesus. He didn't know about what they were going to take him. Sometimes in fear, we just kind of back off and keep our mouths shut and like act like we don't know about whatever because we don't want to be in that position of persecution. And that's where Peter was. Just 
a very short time prior to this. But after he was filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, he had some help. He had the teacher, the helper, the comforter, the counselor, the advocate. He had the Holy Spirit. And he preached this immense sermon. And if you look at chapter 2, I'm not going to read it, of course, but it starts with verse 14. And it goes all the way through until this verse that I'm going to read, which is verse 38. And it says, And Peter answered them, I'm going to back up just just one more verse, verse 37. Now when they heard this, when they heard this sermon, when they heard this teaching, they were cut to the heart. Something happened to their heart. God was wooing them, something they'd never heard before. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brethren, what shall we do? And Peter answered them, Repent. Change your views and your purpose to accept the will of God in your inner selves instead of rejecting it. We have a choice. We can accept or we can reject. And he said, accept it instead of rejecting it. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of and release from your sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise of the Holy Spirit is to and for you and your children and to and for all that are far away even to and for as many as the Lord our God invites and bids to come to himself what a question who does God invite to be saved does he exclude races or creeds or colors or um, people that have a Uh, a very strong belief system that's not Christian? Does he exclude them? No. That last line says, to and for as many as the Lord our God invites and bids to come to him. That invitation is for every one of his people, for every human being. That invitation is for everyone. And the invitation for the Holy Spirit is included. That's what this says. It says that this Holy Spirit, the promise of the Holy Spirit is for all of you. The whole promise of the Holy Spirit is for all who God invites and bids to come to himself. It doesn't say in the Bible that salvation is for everyone, but the baptism of the Holy Spirit isn't. It does not say that in the Word. Some teachers teach that, that salvation is for everyone, but the Holy Spirit has stopped, that the the power of the Holy Spirit wasn't necessary after the apostles left. Well, I don't know about you, but I think the Holy Spirit's just as necessary now as he ever was, probably a whole lot more so. Okay, let's go to Luke 11, and then we're going to get into the benefits. Luke 11. Last week, I taught on prayer. I taught on the best, one of the, the best gifts that God has given us, one of. I can't begin to say this one's better than this one because they're all amazing. But the ability to commune with God, the ability to come face to face in this place of grace and commune with him. And we talked about prayer last week as one of the immense ways to have a relationship with God. And I read the scripture. I read about the persistence in faith. I read about um, asking and seeking and knocking. But I didn't read the last two verses. I'm going to do that now. Listen to this. I'm going to start with verse 9. This is Jesus speaking to you and to me. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil or being natural and messing up all the time, 
know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? I want to give good gifts to my kids. And God just, or Jesus, when he was speaking, he was using, he was contrasting. He said, your parents don't give, if the, the child asks for an egg, they don't give him a scorpion. You know, if they ask for bread, they don't give him poison. Parents wouldn't do that. And yet we do a lot of things that we shouldn't do. But Jesus said, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? That's pretty, pretty clear. All you have to do is ask. That's it. Simple. Okay. Let's look at the benefits of the Holy Spirit. The baptism of the Holy Spirit and praying in tongues. The evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit in this in the scripture was praying in tongues or speaking in tongues. I kind of interchanged those words praying and speaking in tongues. So what are the benefits? When I prayed for that infilling of the Holy Spirit all of those years ago, I started praying in tongues. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that later. But these are some of the benefits that I have seen and that I know are for God's people. I've experienced them. Many of you have experienced them. And these are his benefits for all of us. The first one is that the baptism of the Holy Spirit brings boldness and power into our lives to accomplish God's will and to enable us to be great witnesses. Now, there's two references up here that we've already read, so I'm just going to kind of remind you what they said because we're not going to read them again. The Luke scripture said, and they both did actually, where Jesus said, wait until... The promise comes and you are clothed with power from on high. Acts says something very similar. And then it goes on to say, then you'll have the power to witness in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to all the ends of the earth. One of the amazing benefits of the Holy Spirit is this power to to witness. I want to tell you what that word power means. It's the word dunamis. I've talked about that word before, dunamis. Listen to some of the meanings. This is fresh from this morning. I mean, I always knew it was miracle working power. That's one of the meanings, miracle working power. But listen to this. Dunamis, the power that Jesus is talking about, that we were going to receive with the Holy Spirit, is an inherent power, and it resides in us by virtue of his nature. Because the Holy Spirit comes within us and upon us. And his nature is within us. His inherent power is within us because his nature is within us. The same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, guys, The same power of the Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is in me and in you. That's the inherent power, that dunamis power. It's also, this is another depth of the meaning, it's the power such as the power resting in armies, forces, or hosts. The same power that rests or resides in armies, in hosts, and when I read the word hosts, I'm thinking hosts of army angels. You know that song that's out there right now, the army angels? I, and I just saw the, the, the power of the Holy Spirit gives me that help that when I need it, and I need an army, because I can't do it on my own, I have it because I have that Holy Spirit power in me and upon me. It's also excellence of soul. That power is excellence of soul. Soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. 
We need that. Sometimes issues with our soul, hurts in our soul, are so very deep that it keeps us from excelling and prospering the way God wants us to. But the Holy Spirit power within us gives us that excellence of soul and helps us with our soul, helps us with our thinking, helps us with our emotions, helps us with our choices and our will, helps us with our thinking and our intellect. That's a lot of bonuses. As we already saw, Peter, the apostle, when he was filled with the Holy Spirit, he had that boldness and that power to witness. And you, you see it in the, in the new church. You see those apostles going out from city to city to city and preaching the word. Now, from my experience, I've told many of you this one-on-one, but I am humbled, I am amazed at how the Holy Spirit works when I start teaching. When I'm talking to my husband at home or when I'm talking to my mother-in-law, I don't talk like this. <laughs> it's the Holy Spirit. As soon as, and I expect it. I know it. I know it. As soon as I start teaching, the Holy Spirit gives me the anointing to do it. I can sense his presence. It is easy. It is easy to teach. But it's not Cindy that's teaching. It's the Holy Spirit. And so many of us and so many of you, when you start telling somebody about what God's done for you or in you or through you, or you just want to tell them about how awesome Jesus is, the Holy Spirit starts speaking through you, right? You know what I'm talking about? And you, all of a sudden, it's like there's just this, this energy, and it's not you. It's the Holy Spirit. I was talking to Jerry and Mary Lou before we started today, and they were telling about how this is Holy Spirit, completely Holy Spirit. Somebody came in, you know, how God does divine appointments. No, nobody they knew. They met them, found out that he had the same cancer that Jerry was healed of. He was healed of bladder cancer. Praise you, Jesus. He, and this other guy had bladder cancer. Jerry the Holy Spirit started speaking through him. He told him about illness recovery, gave him a card. Now, this is how good the Holy Spirit is. That was Monday, right? Today, he went in that same store. Was it a store? Gas station. The same person happened to be there. That's pretty Holy Spirit. <laughs> and he didn't work there. He just happened to be there. So Jerry was able again to witness to him. But God gives us that ability to witness. And one of the fun things that I love to always pay attention to in the book of Acts when it talks about we'll have the power to witness in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to all the ends of the earth. Jerusalem is a city. Judea is a region. Samaria is a bigger region or country. And then to all the ends of the earth. That's what God does. He starts out in your, in your, in your close-knit region. You know, and then maybe you have the ability to go out a little bit further and share. That's what God's done with me. You know, when I was first healed, I talked to people that came to me or my family or, you know, and then, and then I started to be able to share out a little bit further. Well, now I share here. So what are there, 40 people here? So I'm sharing with 40 people. And I don't know all you guys. I don't even know all your names. I wish I did, but I don't know everybody's name. But our teaching is going out now on the Internet all over the place. That's the Holy Spirit, and that's God's promise. That's one of the amazing benefits of the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Okay, here's the second one. I love this one. Praying in tongues. First of all, you're filled with the Holy Spirit, and the evidence is praying in tongues. When you pray, you're praying the perfect will of God. Boy, I don't know about you, but there's sometimes when I don't know how to pray. If it's already in the Bible, I know that I can pray God's word. But sometimes there's something that's not in the Bible. You might have to make a decision about a job. You might have to make a decision about a treatment. You might have to make a decision about, I don't know, something very important in your life. And the answer isn't exactly put in the Bible. But when you pray in tongues, you're praying the perfect will of God. 
You're praying the perfect prayer. I want to go to the Bible and show you this. Would you turn with me to Romans chapter 8? We've been here a lot this week, haven't we, Dana? (laughs) We keep going to Romans 8. I love this chapter. It's one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. We're going to start with verse 26. In fact, I'm going to back up a little bit. We're going to start with verse 24. The word that God spoke this to you is that he's our hope when we're hopeless. He's our strength when we're weak. Verse 24 says, For in this hope we were saved, but hope, the object of which is seen, is not hope. If you see it, you don't need to hope for it. And that's what the Bible says. For how can one hope for what he already sees? But if we hope for what is still unseen by us, we wait for it with patience and composure. Well, sometimes you need the Holy Spirit to do that. It's hard to hope when you haven't seen the result. But the Holy Spirit's there to help us. And then verse 26. So too the Holy Spirit comes to our aid and bears us up in our weakness. He gives us strength when we're weak. For we don't know what prayer to offer, nor how to offer it worthily as we ought. But the Spirit himself goes to meet our supplication. Remember, he's our intercessor. He goes to meet our prayer and pleads in our behalf with unspeakable yearnings and groanings too deep for utterance. And he who searches the hearts of men knows what is in the mind of the Holy Spirit, what his intent is, because the Spirit intercedes and pleads before God in behalf of the saints according to and in harmony with God's will. As we pray... In the Spirit, this is what's going on. The Holy Spirit is interceding, and it's the perfect will of God. So we don't have to worry if, it's, if, we're, if we're praying His will, because when we're praying in tongues, we are praying His will. This is a great tool to use when you don't know how to pray. It's a great tool to use when you're feeling really weak and you need strengthened. When we pray in tongues, it helps us, it allows us to pray in agreement with God. When we confess his word, we've talked about that. When we take scripture from the Bible and read it out loud and pray it, we're we're in agreement with God because it's from his word. If it's in his word, it's his will. So we're agreeing with him. But when we pray in tongues, even if we don't know, we are in agreement with him. We're praying in agreement with him. And that process of praying in agreement with God builds your faith. It gives you strength when you're weak, hope when you're hopeless, and it helps strengthen you in your faith. I don't know about you, but there's times when I've wanted my faith to be stronger. I I speak it. I believe it. I say, God, I trust you with all my heart. I believe you. But with all this distraction with whatever's going on in your life, that faith, you just want it to just be that super faith, that strong faith that Jesus talks about, that great faith. Praying in tongues helps you for for that faith to grow deeper and stronger. Benefit number three. It's another huge one. Speaking in tongues, you're baptized in the Spirit when you pray or speak in tongues. It's speaking the mysteries of Christ. Now, what is that? We're going to look at a scripture that says this. But the mysteries of Christ are truths that are not yet revealed. How many of you have gotten revelation when you read the Word? You didn't understand something, or you had a question, or you were confused, or you were concerned, and you read a scripture, and all of a sudden it was like, God, that was just for me. It's awesome, isn't it? Or maybe you were getting, um, uh, you were at church, and you were hearing a sermon, and it was like that person wrote that sermon just for you. (laughs) You're like, oh my gosh, does he know what's going on in my life? Because that's just for me. Well, that's one of the benefits of praying in the Holy Spirit. It, it 
is speaking the mysteries or the truths, the hidden wisdom of God. And revelation is often the result. Just like when you read the Bible and God gives you revelation. Or when you're listening to a a teacher and it's speaking right to your heart. Praying in tongues with the, the Holy Spirit also does that. It helps you to get revelation and understanding about what God has for you right at that moment, right at that time. So let's look at a scripture that says this. 1 Corinthians, please. We're going to look at two different scriptures. The first one is 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 2. I'm going to read it out of New King James, and then I'm going to read it out of the Amplified. In New King James, it says, For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. So that word mysteries, again, are truths that are yet unrevealed. To be revealed. (laughs) To be continued. And then in the Amplified, it says, For one who speaks in an unknown tongue speaks not to men, but to God. For no one understands or catches his meaning, because in the Holy Spirit he utters secret truths and hidden things not obvious to the understanding. So one of the the benefits of praying in tongues is you're speaking these mysteries in the spiritual realm. Now look at what it says in on your paper. I I typed this one out because I wanted you to have the New Living translation, and you might not have that Bible translation. I don't. I have different ones, so I had to type it out. But it was to us that God revealed these things by His Spirit. Now, these things that it's talking about um, in this chapter of Corinthians, in verse 7, if you want to look this up later, it talks about the wisdom of God. It talks about the, the, I think it even says the manifold wisdom, but it talks about the wisdom of God. So this is referring to the wisdom of God. But it was to us that God revealed spiritual wisdom or the wisdom of God by his spirit. For his spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. No one can know a person's thoughts except that person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. Here's the bonus. We have received God's spirit, not the world's spirit. So we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. Now, before I go on, I want to talk about that for a second. You can't read my mind unless I choose to tell you what's going on in my head. My thoughts are my thoughts. I know what my thoughts are. You don't. This scripture says that no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. But then the bonus is it says that we've received God's spirit so that we can know his revealed will to us. We can know spiritual wisdom. That's a huge benefit of having the Holy Spirit in us. Now I'm going to continue. When we tell you these things, we do not use words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak words given to us by the Spirit, using the Spirit's words to explain spiritual truths. This is talking about a spiritual language or tongues. But people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's Spirit. It all sounds foolish to them and they can't understand it. For only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. Those who are spiritual can evaluate all things, but they themselves cannot be evaluated by others. For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to teach him? But we understand these things, for we have the mind of Christ, because we have the Holy Spirit. So one of the huge benefits of being infilled with the Holy Spirit is revelation. And as you pray in, in the spiritual language, in tongues, revelation is often a byproduct. 
and God just reveals things to you. Okay, number four. Speaking in tongues brings spiritual edification to the believer. Would you please look with me again? Actually, we're already in 14. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 4. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. And then it goes on to say, but he who prophesies edifies the church. After I get done with the benefits, I'm going to address chapter 14 of Corinthians just a little bit. But this scripture says that he who prays in tongues edifies himself. The word edifies means is built up. That word edify has the same root as the word edifice. An edifice is a strong, big building. An edifice is a building that is um, um, magnificent. And just it just catches your eye and you just go, wow. Maybe you've been to one of the cathedrals or some of the cathedrals, the big, amazing, you know, architectural, just amazing buildings. That's an edifice. God says that when we pray in tongues, we are edified, we are built up. And I've written here, when we pray in tongues, we are constructing an internal edifice of faith from which the purposes of God become manifest. When we pray in tongues, what we're doing is we're building an edifice of faith, a strong, strong, we're building our faith up. In a great way. And faith leads to manifestation. We've talked about um, knowledge. And knowledge leads to expectation or faith. And that leads to manifestation. So when we pray in tongues, it builds us up. It builds up that tower of faith within us. And number five, let's turn to Jude. This is the next to the last book in your Bible, right before Revelations. It's only like one page long. It doesn't even have, it only has one chapter. So this is Jude, verse 20 and 21. This benefit is that when we pray in tongues, it energizes the faith that God has already placed within you. We all have a measure of faith. But sometimes it needs a little boost. <laughs> it needs a little energizing. And this is what the word says. But you, beloved. Oh, I love it when he calls you beloved. But you, beloved, build yourselves up. Founded on your most holy faith. Make progress. Rise like an edifice, higher and higher. Praying in the Holy Spirit. Guard and keep yourselves in the love of God. Expect and patiently wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, which will bring you into life eternal. Friends, life eternal doesn't start after you die. Life eternal is from the moment you receive Jesus as your Savior. So as we pray in tongues, our, our faith is energized. Our faith is energized. It says, build yourself up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. And then it goes on to say, keep yourselves in the love of God and the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ in this life, this eternal life that we're living. So it energizes us. So some great benefits. Power and boldness to witness. Praying the perfect will of God when you don't know how to pray. Revelation, getting revelation of the mysteries of God. Being built up spiritually, having your faith energized. Wouldn't you say those are all great benefits? Yes. Okay, would you look with me? I wasn't going to do this, but I, I think I need to. Turn to 1 Corinthians 14 again. This is where we're going to close before we pray. This chapter was written to the church in Corinth. Paul wrote it. He wrote this letter. And this whole chapter is about 
praying in tongues. This whole chapter is about how and when and why to pray in tongues. Many times when people read this chapter, they see it as the word saying, no, you shouldn't pray in tongues. But that's not what it says. Not at all. I have numerous scriptures, um, asterisk. I'm just going to tell you which ones they are. And if you want to put an asterisk next to yours, you can do that. These all have to do with the benefits and the power and why to pray in tongues. Verse 2. Verse 4. Verse 5. Verse 13. Verse 14. Verse 15. Verse 18. Verse 23. Verse 27. Verse 32. And verse 39. Now there's a lot of scripture there. And what it basically is saying, and I'm going to paraphrase this, it's saying that this church was out of order. Because they were going to church and praying in tongues for their service. If I sat here and, and invited you all to come to healing class, and I stood here for an hour and prayed in tongues, you wouldn't be learning from the Word of God what to do, how to apply His Word. This chapter says that when they went to church, they, they were doing that. They were out of order. And what Paul says is, if there is praying in tongues in church... There needs to be um, interpretation. I couldn't think of that word. There needs to be interpretation of the tongue so that the people are edified, so that they understand what's going on. Because when people pray in tongues, you don't understand it usually unless there's a, a Holy Spirit gift there of interpretation or of another miraculous kind of gift. There's a lot of other benefits, but one of the benefits isn't to teach with it. And that's what this chapter addresses. So read the whole chapter. It's yummy. Paul says in here, I pray in tongues more than all of you, and I wish you all prayed in tongues more. And he says, so what am I telling you? Pray in tongues, but pray in the understanding. Sing in tongues, but sing in the understanding. And then the very last verse says, um, but all these things should be done with regard to decency and propriety and in an orderly fashion. He was really teaching about having order in the service, in the church service. So this chapter is sometimes misconstrued as saying, oh no, the Bible says no, you shouldn't do that. Well, that's not what it says when you read the whole chapter in context. Okay. What we're going to do, um, and I, I, I want to be completely, completely respectful and uh, honoring of where you're at and where I'm at in my walk with God and in your walk with him and in your desires, where you're seeking and where you're searching, where you're learning, where you're meditating, where you're growing. But I don't want to leave without offering the opportunity for the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of praying in tongues. But I don't want to force it. I don't ever do that. So what we're going to do is I'm going to offer this prayer if you want to pray it with me. Pray it with me. If you're already filled with the Holy Spirit, then you're just getting a refreshing. The apostles had that. They had a um, fresh infilling. They were already filled with the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit just came and, came and refreshed them and re- infilled them even more. Kent's going to put on um, some music. Kent, would you get that ready to go? Or Aaron, maybe you've got it ready to go. It's a, spir- it's a, a song called Holy Spirit. It's a long song. It's like eight or ten minutes long. So we're, what we're going to do is I'm going to have the this, this song start in a minute. We're going to pray this prayer if you want to. And then we're going to just let the Holy Spirit move. Okay? We're going to put on the music and just let his presence be ushered in. After the song has played for a while, I'm going to start praying in tongues. And my... my fellow um, people that are baptized in the Holy Spirit, feel free to pray in tongues with me. If you've prayed this prayer for the first time and you're saying, Cindy, like I did, I want everything God has for me and I want those benefits and I need those benefits. Friends, I believe that this is very big in receiving everything that God has for you, including healing, but everything else as well. He's got a whole lot more than healing. But if you want this, 
Just ask him. That's what we're going to do. He says in Luke 11, he said, ask. How much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? The other thing that the Bible does, and we always want to do what the Bible does, is the the apostles laid hands on those who were um, wanting the, the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Not always, but sometimes. So if you would like us to come, we've got ministry team people all over, to just lay hands on you and pray with you privately, absolutely, we would be happy to do that as well. So go ahead and get that music up. Just kind of start it soft. We're going to pray together, if you would like to, again. It's on your paper. Prayer for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray together. Father, your word says that the Holy Spirit is a gift. I do not have to work for it. All I need to do is ask and receive it. So I ask you, Holy Spirit, come and baptize me. I desire your impartation in every part of my life. Lord, I want to receive all that you have for me. My heart cry is for a radical transformation in my walk with you. Consume me, O God, with your holy fire. I receive right now your promise, your gift, the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the Bible evidence of speaking with other tongues. Again, we're just going to worship him. Lord. 